I invite you to open your Bible or one of the pew Bibles to the Apostle Paul's letter to the Romans for the reading of God's holy, infallible, inerrant word. This morning in Romans chapter 5, we will be reading verses 1 through 5 this morning. Romans 5, 1 through 5. Let us now ask the Lord whose spirit breathed out this word, preserved it for us in Holy Scripture to breathe upon us afresh, to open our minds and our hearts with spiritual wisdom and insight, that by his grace we might receive his word in faith and respond to the glory of his name. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we rejoice in your love for us. We rejoice that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We rejoice, O Lord, that we have a standing with you by the righteousness of Jesus Christ and that we have the hope of glory by virtue of his death on the cross and resurrection from the dead and ascension into heaven at your right hand. And so we ask in his name and for the glory of his name that you would be pleased to open the windows of heaven and pour out afresh upon us your Holy Spirit that we might receive your word for what it truly is, the word of God. That it would penetrate between joint and marrow and sanctify our souls and transform us more nearly into the likeness of your Son, our Savior. We ask it. In his name and for your glory, amen. Amen. Let us hear the word of God. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. More than that, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame. Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever to his name. Be all praise, honor, and glory. Amen. Well, as we are making our way slowly but surely through the Apostle Paul's letter to the Romans, I want us all to be tuned in to the fact and getting the point that in these passages in Romans concerning justification by faith, we really are dealing with one of the bedrock foundational doctrines, truths of the Bible. That's the reason that we've spent so many weeks in chapters 3, and four, and we'll spend so many weeks in chapter five. Pastor Jonathan and I are in no hurry. 
We want to make sure that you are sure where your assurance is found. We want to make sure that you are sure where your assurance is found. That's what's at stake here. Eternity. Your eternity and mine. And when we get sure about our eternity, then we can live in the present, not only without fear of the future, but better yet, a great and glorious hope for the future. So today, the sermon series continues at Romans 5.1. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, We have peace with God. That is a magnificent declaration of the gospel, which we all need to let sink and settle deeply into our hearts and minds. The word, therefore, indicates a connection between that which has come before it and what is about to follow. In what has come before In chapters 3 and 4, Paul has belabored the point that justification, a right standing with God, a not guilty and no condemnation verdict from God, a secure and blessed relationship with God comes only by God's grace through Jesus Christ Received as a gift by faith apart from works of the law. That is justification by faith alone in Christ alone. And so we sing, nothing, nothing in my hands I bring. Simply to thy cross I cling. Now in chapter 5, Paul begins to tell us the therefore of justification by faith, the blessings of justification by faith. But before we look at those blessings which flow out of justification, and that's going to take us into next Sunday, the Lord willing, let's first of all make sure that we understand this word, faith. Now, this is very basic. I hope you don't feel as though I'm wasting your time insulting your level of spiritual maturity. But, it, you know, it's, it's very, very important. It is, it is foundational. So let's pause for a moment to consider this question. What does the Bible mean by the word faith? And let's begin by saying what the Bible does not mean by the word faith. First of all, in the Bible, the word faith does not, contrary to popular misunderstanding, the word faith does not mean making a giant leap into the darkness in ignorance. To the contrary, in the Bible, faith is a matter of believing the revealed promises of God. Believing God in the promises that he gives. As it was said of Abraham in chapter 4, 
Abraham was fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. That's faith in God. And since nothing is impossible with God, there is nothing irrational, nothing blind about believing the promises of God which are revealed to us in his word of holy scripture. The promises of God are given to us in Scripture. We don't dream them up out of our imagination. They are revealed to us in the Scripture. And faith is a matter of believing God's Word. And God's Word does not blind us with darkness. God's Word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path and enlightens the eyes of our hearts in the knowledge of His will. In the Bible, faith is not a leap in the dark. It's a way of walking in the light of God's promises given to us in Scripture. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Secondly, faith in the Bible is not a matter of The power of positive thinking. Now that's become such a popular misconception in American culture today that it has, in fact, infected the church of Jesus Christ. It's almost like it's magic or something. You just, you just gotta have faith. You just gotta believe. You just gotta have faith. You just gotta believe. You know, like the little engine that could. Well, look, a a positive attitude is certainly to be preferred over a negative attitude. Biblical faith can engender a positive attitude when it's built on the promises of God, but biblical faith is not a matter of the power of positive thinking. Biblical faith is a matter of trusting in and resting in the power, the goodness, the mercy, the faithfulness, And the love of God. Say it another way. You know, ultimately, our faith is not about us. It's not a matter of having faith in our faith. It's a matter of having faith in God. Trusting his promises. And therefore, entrusting ourselves to his faithfulness. Thirdly, in the Bible, faith is not merely a matter of knowing certain doctrines in your head and merely giving intellectual assent to those doctrines, saying that you agree with them and affirm them to be true, as, yes, we do with our creeds and confessions, and yes, that's a good thing to do, but true biblical faith goes a step further. True and saving faith trusts in the promises of God, and therefore, in true and saving faith, we enter into a personal, covenantal relationship with God, submitting ourselves to His Word, entrusting ourselves into His sovereign power and mercy, and therefore seeking to live no longer for ourselves, but for His glory in response to His saving grace. True and saving faith in Christ continues 
from our heads into our hearts and is lived out in our hands and feet. Now, you've heard me use this illustration before. I believe that there are certain things called parachutes. I believe that many people have jumped out of airplanes wearing a parachute and have landed safely on the ground. And I believe beyond the shadow of a doubt I believe that you could jump out of an airplane wearing a parachute and land safely on the ground, but I'm not going to do it. I have absolutely no interest in a personal relationship with or an experience with or a commitment to a parachute. Ain't going to happen. True biblical faith is faith which believes the promises of God given to us in the gospel of Jesus Christ and responds to those promises by personally accepting, receiving, embracing, loving Jesus Christ for who he is and what he has done for us and resting our souls upon Christ alone for our salvation. And in so doing, we give up and give over our lives to Jesus Christ because he first gave up and gave over his life unto death on a cross for us as the substitutionary, wrath-appeasing, justice-satisfying sacrifice for our sins. Amen. This is what it means to be justified by faith. To believe that God is able to do and will do what he has promised to do. To forgive your sins through the blood of his son shed for you. To deliver you from the curse of sin and death. And to raise you up in glory in everlasting life in his kingdom of righteousness, peace and joy. All by his grace received as a gift through faith in his son Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. And that means, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. This is a glorious declaration which ought to thrill our hearts. And let's understand clearly, this is the declaration of an objective unchangeable reality. Having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. It is an objective reality, unchangeably settled, established, unalterably fixed in heaven. This verse is not about your or my subjective Feelings of peace of mind, which may fluctuate from day to day based on the circumstances of our lives. It it is not about your or my subjective feeling about how we feel we are doing spiritually. This is an objective reality forever established in heaven as a consequence of the death and resurrection 
and ascension of Jesus Christ into heaven and God's work of grace in our lives which we have received by faith whereby we are justified. We're given a right relationship with God. And nothing and nobody can ever take that away from you. Since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul wrote to the Colossians that in Him, in Christ, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. There is the doctrine of the incarnation. Jesus Christ, fully man, fully God. All the fullness of God was pleased to dwell in Him and through Him, through Christ, to reconcile to Himself all things. Listen making peace by the blood of his cross. Making peace. God's the one who has made his peace with us, his enemies, by the blood of his cross. This peace with God, you see, has to do with God's disposition toward those who have been justified by faith in Jesus Christ. Paul goes on in the the next paragraph to elaborate on this wonderful gospel truth. Verse 10 says, For if while we were enemies, we were the enemies, while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, much more now that we are reconciled, we shall, shall we be saved by His life with a view toward the last judgment. Yes, what Christ has done in history will have its effect in eternity. And there'll be more on that verse perhaps next week or the next. (laughs) But for now, please note that the scripture says that we in our sinful nature were God's enemies. But God, through the cross of Christ, has reconciled us, brought us into a relationship of peace with himself So that we, through faith in Christ, are no longer at war with God. And He is no longer at war with us. The war is over. The good news is that God has made His peace with us through the death of His Son, Jesus Christ. Now just think about that. Think about this. We have peace with God because the war is over, because God won the war by dying for His enemies. Only God could do that. We have peace with God because the war is over, because God won the war by dying for His enemies. That is the gospel answer to the problem which was introduced for us back at chapter 1 verse 18. The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness and that is a terrible and terrifying reality. The Bible reveals that God is a God of righteous holy wrath and it rests upon those who continue in rebellion against him. That's a terrible terrifying reality. But the gospel of Jesus Christ is that God himself, of his own free will, of his own sovereign initiative, in his love, grace and mercy, 
God himself has provided a way of salvation from his wrath. He has done that by coming into the world in human flesh and blood in Jesus Christ. To suffer his own wrath against sin. To satisfy his own justice against sin. To take upon himself the condemnation which we deserved. He did it in our place. And because God himself has satisfied his own justice in the death of his own son. And because God himself has appeased his own wrath. Pouring it out upon Christ. Our substitute on the cross. Now we, having been justified by faith, we who have received this gift of grace through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And there is nothing that can change that. Now, of course, our circumstances in this fallen world, change from day to day. Some of you know that Catherine and I recently went to Virginia to visit a friend. On Christmas Day, he had a cough. On New Year's Day, he had stage 4 metastatic lung cancer. We had a very good visit with him. He is a general surgeon. And he knows. He knows two things. In terms of medical science, he has an incurable terminal cancer. And number two, since he has been justified by faith, he has peace with God through his Lord Jesus Christ. And though there may be certain things about the dying process that he dreads, he does not dread or fear death itself. And further, he is assured. He is sure. He is sure. He is sure that this malignancy is not an expression of the personal disposition of a malevolent deity in wrath against him. He is quite sure that that is not the case. He knows that God is at peace with him by the blood of Christ's cross. And therefore he knows that he has peace with God through his Lord Jesus Christ. Now, we're all going to be there one day, one way or the other. And none of us knows the day or the hour. And along the way to that day, we're going to suffer in this fallen world. The Bible is very clear about that. But what we can know all along the way in this pilgrimage through this world of sin and suffering, and what we can know when that day comes, is that if we are bound to Jesus Christ in faith and love, if we have been justified by faith in Jesus Christ, then we 
can surely know that God is at peace with us and therefore we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ and there is nothing, not even death itself, which can change that or take that away from us. And this, this is the reason that Paul concludes this major section of Romans with the great eighth chapter of Romans saying, if God is for us in the midst of our suffering... Who can be against us? I am sure that neither death nor life, nor things present, nor things to come, nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. There it is. Because we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God. And this surety that God is at peace with us and that we therefore have peace with God and are secure in our blessed relationship with him is one of the primary blessings of having been justified by faith. And further, the scripture says that through him, through Christ, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. That is, through faith in Jesus Christ, we stand in in grace. We stand upon grace. We stand in the presence of God upheld by his grace. We have a standing in the court of the king. We are welcomed and we are ushered into God's presence by his grace received through faith in Jesus Christ. This is present tense. This is who you are now in Christ. This is an objective reality. Are you united to Christ by true and saving faith? then you stand in his grace in good standing with God. And further, hurrying along now, all those who have been justified by faith in Christ rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Since it is the case that we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, an objective, unchangeable reality now, and since it is the case that those who have been justified by faith have a right standing by God's grace, an objective, unchangeable reality now, it therefore necessarily follows that we have a hope of glory, a sure and certain hope, a hope which shall be fulfilled, a hope which cannot fail. It is the glory that is yet to be revealed. In the everlasting kingdom of God. The gospel of Jesus Christ lifts our hearts above and beyond this sin-sick, suffering, fallen world. Beyond this temporary world which is passing away in its bondage to decay. The gospel of Jesus Christ reveals to us and promises to us a glory on the other side of suffering, sin, and death in this world. The gospel of Jesus Christ promises that when Christ comes again, he will raise his people from the dead and redeem our lowly bodies to be like his glorious body to live in his new creation forever in which there is no sin, no sorrow, no suffering, no shame in his everlasting kingdom of Peace, shalom, well-being, the fullness of life in the presence of God, peace with God. Since then we have been justified by faith. We have peace with God now and therefore we will have peace 
with God forever. To God be the glory. Amen. Let us pray. Our most gracious Heavenly Father, we rejoice in the glorious gospel of your Son, our Savior Jesus Christ, who in obedience to you and great love for us, submitted himself unto death, even death on a cross. We rejoice in his resurrection from the dead. And we pray again for the blessing of your Holy Spirit to work powerfully in our hearts and our minds to transform us more near and nearly into the likeness of your Son, our Savior, and help us now to live on earth as those who will live forever in your kingdom of righteousness, peace, and joy. To the glory of your name, amen. In response to the gospel of Jesus Christ, let us stand to affirm our faith. By means of the Heidelberg Catechism, number 60, responsively, Christian believer, how are you right with God? Only by true faith in Jesus Christ, in spite of the fact that my conscience accuses me that I have grievously sinned against all the commandments of God and have not kept any one of them, and that I am still ever prone to all that is evil. Nevertheless, without any merit of my own, out of pure grace, God grants to me the benefits of the perfect sacrifice of Christ, imputing to me His righteousness and holiness, as if I had never committed a single sin or had ever been sinful, as if I myself had fulfilled all the obedience which Christ has fulfilled for me. If only I accept such favor with a trusting heart. Amen.